0: Kia ora and welcome to Elemental. In this RNZ series, we are gallivanting around the periodic table in a chemically random fashion to mark 150 years since the Russian chemist Dmitry Mendeleev first published it. I'm
1: Alison Balance. And I'm Alan Blackman from the Auckland University of Technology. And here is an early literature reference to kick off today's show, and I quote, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night for ever and ever. Some of you might know that as Revelations 20 verse 10. And the reason for the biblical quote in episode 79 today, we are up to sulphur, otherwise known as brimstone.
0: I thought that wasn't your usual peer-reviewed journal (laughs) sort of quote, Alan. But it certainly puts me in mind of the Rotorua geothermal region in the central North Island, I'm thinking, and Mm -hmm. volcanic White Island with its clouds of sulphurous, isn't that a lovely word, sulphurous smelling fumes wafting (laughs) on the breeze. And in both places you see lots of yellow sulphur just lying around.
1: Indeed you do, and that's exactly why it's yet another element that was known to the ancients, uh, simply because of the fact that it does occur as the element in nature. And you will see those yellow deposits of sulfur around any geothermal area. So, vital statistics. Elemental symbol of sulfur is S. The atomic number is 16, and that puts it in, in fact, group 16. And its date of discovery, obviously, is unknown because it has been known since time immemorial. Now, before we get stuck into this, I have to have a little chat to you, Alison, about your spelling of sulfur. You appear to have spelt it S-U-L-P-H-U-R. Of course. Isn't that how you spell it? Well, (laughs) I I hate to tell you this, but the International Union of Pure and Applied Chemists have mandated since the year, I believe, 1990, that sulfur is to be spelled the correct way, S-U-L-F-U-R.
0: Now, is that just because there are a whole lot of Americans <laughs> who like simple American spelling as opposed to British-based spelling, or is there some more significant
1: reason for that? Well, from what I can glean, apparently the pH sort of comes as a transliteration of the Greek word phi, but sulphur doesn't actually derive from the Greek phi. It derives from either or both. Uh, the Sanskrit sulvera, S-U-L-V-E-R-E, or the Latin sulfurium with an F, and they are both ancient words for sulfur. So I'm very sorry, everybody, but when it comes to spelling sulfur, you now need to spell it with an F because the chemists say so.
0: I think that's (laughs) chemistry pedantry myself.
1: (laughs) That'll get letters. (laughs) Anyway, on we go. So what do we know about sulfur? It is the 17th most abundant element in the Earth's crust and it is an essential trace element for humans because it's found in two amino acids, methionine and cysteine, and it's also found in two vitamins, vitamin B1, otherwise known as thiamine, and uh, vitamin B7, otherwise known as biotin. Yes, it is an essential element for humans, but despite this, some simple compounds of sulfur are really, really nasty, highly toxic things. So for example, a concentration of H2S, otherwise known as hydrogen sulfide, of around about five to 700 parts per million is fatal after around about 30 to 60 minutes.
0: Oh, that's not very nice. But speaking of hydrogen sulphide, the first thing that comes to mind for sulphur is the smell. And I'm thinking rotten eggs, Mm -hmm. farts, all sorts of (laughs)
1: terrible smells. Yes, indeed. I know where you're coming from on that. But in fact, pure sulphur, the actual element, doesn't smell itself. But sulphur compounds certainly do. And so I think sulphur would probably be everyone's pick as the smelliest element. This is kind of interesting because you you might think that the horrible smell of, of H2S, that rotten egg smell, would actually alert you to its presence. You know it's toxic and so you'd get the heck out of there. But what in fact happens on long exposure to H2S, the nose gets fatigued to it and you stop smelling it. And so the point where H2S actually becomes nasty is the point where you can't actually smell it, <laughs> which kind of um, seems the wrong way around, but that's, that's the way it works. Well, actually, um, I,
0: can, I can see that, because when you visit a place like Rotorua, when you first arrive, mm-hmm. you go, oh, ye gads, this is the stinkiest yes, place. Yep. And then about half an hour later, you realise you're not smelling it anymore.
1: <laughs> so, so leave, for goodness sake. We're sort of giggling about this, but in fact, there have been fatalities uh, due to H2S in Rotorua, which is is terrible. You know, it it is an insidious, you know, nasty compound, this. So you've got to be careful of H2S.
0: So why are sulfur compounds so smelly?
1: Oh, bloody good question, (laughs) Alison. I wish I knew the answer to that. And actually, the whole smell thing really is still up in the air. I'm not sure that anybody actually really knows how the whole smell thing works. But just to give you some sort of example, okay, we've got H2S, hydrogen sulfide. We've got H2O, which is water. Now, sulfur and oxygen our neighbors on the periodic table. Oxygen sits above sulfur, they're in the same group. And the H2S molecule and the H2O molecule, they look very, very similar. They are both bent molecules. H2S is a little bit more bent than H2O. The sulfur atom in H2S is just a little bit bigger than the oxygen atom. So they're extremely similar molecules, but H2O doesn't smell at all, and H2S absolutely pongs. So if anybody can figure out why that's the case, I'm all ears. Or
0: all oh, as the case uh, may oh, be. Oh, very,
1: very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, so sulfur compounds are smelly, and um, this can be actually put to good use. Because, uh, for example, if you've ever had a gas leak, it's not the actual gas that you're smelling. Uh, it's one of a number of sulfur compounds that are used in very, very tiny amounts as an additive for exactly this purpose. Uh, natural gas itself is pretty much odourless, and the smell comes from thiols, which are also called mercaptans, And these are compounds that have a sulfur atom bonded to a hydrogen atom, and that's an atomic combination denoted by the term SH. So pretty much those types of molecules, these molecules that contain an SH unit, are generally smelly things. So, for example, skunk spray uh, contains similar sorts of molecules, and when you go to the kitchen, for example, onions and garlic, uh, they both utilize sulfur compounds as defensive weapons, believe it or not. Onions make you cry, of course, thanks to a molecule called syn thiol S-oxide. And that is a thing called a lacrimator, which does literally bring tears to your eyes. Mm-hmm. And garlic also uses, and you're going to love this, a compound called Allicin. Oh. A- A-L-L-I-C-I-N.
0: <laughs> At least it's not
1: spelt the same. <laughs> so garlic uses allison to actually defend itself from predators, which is pretty cool. And uh, talking of smells, again, we had a study in 2012 that showed that the famously offensive smell of the durian fruit, if ever you've smelt those, once smelt, oh, never yes. forgotten. <laughs> And that smell is also due to a number of sulfur-containing compounds.
0: I think we should say that, in their defence, sulfur-containing compounds are not entirely bad, and mm-hmm. thiols give us things like those nice aromas that you get from coffee and grapefruit. So, yeah, yeah. you know, we can be thankful for <laughs> them in small quantities in the right so, yeah, place.
1: <laughs> a, a very interesting element, this one. Yeah, we've already said that sulfur is uh, important in biological molecules, so vitamins, amino acids. And because of its presence in these sorts of molecules, crude oil, which obviously is derived from uh, dead things, therefore often contains sulfur compounds. And these are usually in the form of molecules called thiophenes. And so, when petrol or diesel that is high in sulfur is burned in car engines, uh, the atmospheric pollutant sulfur dioxide is formed. So, that's not a good thing. So, therefore, when you refine crude oil, you use a process called hydrodesulfurization to remove as much sulphur as you possibly can.
0: I think in terms of road transport that New Zealand has notoriously been a bit slow and we had dirty diesel for a really long time. And mm. it wasn't until about 2004 that they lowered sulphur and diesel to 500 parts per million. And since then we've kept lowering it and lowering it. And Now the limit for both diesel and petrol is 10 parts per million. Mm. But I have to say, there's this funny anomaly. We still allow boats to use high-sulfur fuel, and we're just deciding as a country whether to sign up for an international shipping treaty. That would mean we have to significantly decrease the amount of sulfur that ships use in our waters. So Mm -hmm. anyway, that's enough of our digression. What's so bad about (laughs) sulfur dioxide, and why have we had to lower sulfur in fuel?
1: We've already said that H2S can be lethal, a small molecule containing sulfur. So there's another small molecule containing sulfur, SO2. That can also kill you at concentrations of greater than 100 parts per million. It's fairly toxic stuff. So it's not great for humans, and it's also not great for the environment, because SO2 is the precursor to acid rain, and acid rain is just essentially dilute sulfuric acid. Ah, H2SO4, Professor.
0: <laughs> and she waits to see if that means anything to him.
1: Flanders oh, and Swan, possibly. F-
0: yes, possibly. it was def- it's a wonderful <laughs> Flanders and Swan introduction to their song, The First and Second Law of Thermodynamics, and it was about how to talk to a scientist. And one of their sort of introductory comments was you could go, Ah, H2SO4, Professor. OK, carry on.
1: <laughs> I was going to start quoting the... Uh the second law of thermodynamics song about heat. No, we're about of chemistry. Pass from a, that's chemistry. Goodness me. <laughs> 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 we need an episode on the second law of thermodynamics. Anyway, okay, I'm not going to digress. So speaking of which, <laughs> H2SO4, H2SO4 yes. that is. Sulfuric acid is the number one industrial chemical on Earth with close to an eye-watering 300 million tonnes produced annually. Quite extraordinary. And the majority of this is used in the manufacture of fertilizers, so therefore sulfur is extremely important uh, on the planet. And it could also be argued that sulfur has actually had a defining, well, let's say, a political influence on the world ever since around about the year 1000, owing to the fact that it's a component of gunpowder, along with carbon in the form of charcoal, And potassium nitrate, otherwise known as saltpeter. Yeah, trust humanity to use such a versatile element for warfare. And uh, other example of humanity's stupidity with respect to sulfur, things like mustard gas. uh, That was used in World War I, and that was a sulfur-containing compound by the name of bis-2-chloroethyl sulfide. And sadly, a number of nerve agents also contain sulphur.
0: Now you've really cheered me up about (laughs) this. Sorry about that. Can we talk about something a bit more uplifting? Okay. So I'm going to lob in for our interesting fact. One of my favourite sulphurous environments, not that I've actually ever seen one or are likely to see one, are black smokers, those tall black chimneys that are found around deep hydrothermal vents in the ocean. You know what I'm talking about?
1: Yes, yes, I do. Yep. And black smokers form when magma, so that's really, really hot, beneath the seafloor, heats subsurface fluids to several hundred degrees Celsius. And then these superheated fluids come in contact with near-freezing seawater on the bottom of the ocean. And what happens then is that particles of heavy metal sulfide compounds crystallize. These things are notoriously insoluble. And they form tiny particles that look a lot like smoke, if ever you've seen videos of these things. And these particles build up into tall, rocky spires that can grow more than ooh, around about 20 metres above the surrounding seafloor. Stranger still, active vents are colonised by a variety of chemosynthetic microbes that actually live on sulphides, hydrocarbons and even hydrogen.
0: What a weird taste in food
1: they've got. <laughs> but
0: these sulphur-loving things are the base of a most extraordinary food chain. You talked about videos and pictures of these black smokers. Mm. You know, I've seen amazing pictures of vent animals. These incredible tube worms and mussels and clams and barnacles and so many things thriving in this strange, very hot, sulphurous... Uh, what's the word for it? It's like an otherworld. <laughs> so, otherworldly like The Unexpected World of Chemistry and Elemental. All available at rnz.co.nz slash chemistry.
1: And also as a podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and plenty of other podcast places. Right, we are back next week with Tantalum. But until then, ta-ta from me, Alan Blackman.
0: <laughs> and me, Alison Balance. Māte